Welcome to the Homeownership Insights Podcast, your leading mortgage podcast, sponsored by Fairway Independent Mortgage Corporation. Listen as experts from across the country share knowledge to help home buyers and homeowners make the best decisions in their homeownership journey. Our next podcast begins right now. Welcome back to the Homeownership Insights Podcast. I'm Casey Morris, and today I'm talking with Gary Acosta, the co-founder and CEO of the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals, and with Dave Medina, who is a loan officer with Fairway. Gary and Dave, thanks so much for being here. Hi, Casey. Thank you. Good to be here. So today we're going to be talking about Hispanic homeownership in the U.S., which is a really exciting and interesting topic because Hispanic homebuyers make up a huge and fast-growing proportion of the home buying population. So we're going to talk about some of those dynamics as well as the challenges and opportunities that Hispanic homebuyers face and how the pandemic and the highly competitive and challenging market of the past few years has affected this community. First, though, I thought it would be great to hear more about who our guests are. So, Gary, let's start with you. Um, anything you'd like to share about your background, and it would be great to hear what motivated you to start an RF. Sure. Well, I um, I started off in the mortgage banking industry, actually. I was working at a community bank shortly out of college, and um, seemed like the guys having all the fun at the bank were the ones in the mortgage side. So I sort of drifted over there and learned the business. I liked it. I became a mortgage broker at a pretty young age. I think I was 26 or 27 years old and did that for a few years. Down here in San Diego, I did a lot of business with the Hispanic community. um, And I met a gentleman by the name of Ernie Reyes, who was a real estate broker and a really interesting guy and, um, you know, had a a diverse political background as well. And we used to just, you know, get together so often and catch up and we do business together. And over a period of time, we recognized that um, there was a need or something, uh, you know, which ended up becoming NAREP. But for me, it was more of a sort of self-serving thing. I was looking for, you know, uh, mentors, access to, you know, information, relationships, the types of things that you need to grow a business. And, um, you know, I didn't have that, that support network around me. I could have pursued sort of a more traditional channel, but Ernie and I decided that uh, there were a lot of other people like us uh, who were focused on the Hispanic market, who maybe were uh, from the community ourselves, and uh, just took that leap of faith, started the organization right around 2000. Ended up being a good time because 2000 was the very first year that the Census Bureau said that Hispanics were the largest minority group in the United States. So that was kind of a tipping point, um, and it really added for the timing of, of the launch of the organization to be good, and we were kind of off and running from there. I'm curious to hear how you became a loan officer, but also how you became involved with NARA, because as far as I understand, you're very involved with your local chapter as well. Yes, yes. Um, You know, uh, I will, you know, real estate was a family business for me. And so I guess you could say I was sort of born into the into the industry. Um, I spent a few years, uh, gosh, about 20, 23, 24 years ago uh, as a realtor on the sales side. And um, you know, like Gary said, I just realized all the bankers were having all the fun. <laughs> so uh, I uh, I was working with my father at the time. So it was, you know, I joined the family business and uh, he, he really kind of inspired me to take a look at the lending side. Um, it just gave me a, a place where I could use a, a little bit more of my education and uh, my, my sort of affinity for mathematics and things like that, which uh, is just kind of a comfort zone for me. Uh, to be utilized uh, within my business. So I, I, 
I crossed the desk uh, from the sales side over to the lending side and um, also did it because I, I saw just a great need to service uh, the, the the real estate market out there. I mean, I, as a realtor, I was having trouble finding an appropriate partner on the lending side that I thought really sort of matched my set in, uh, of values and, and uh, sort of ethical compass and um, somebody who was committed uh, to the service of my customers the way that I was. So, um, you know, I, I, I saw a need for it and I decided to try and venture into that and, and, and fill that need. So um, I became a loan officer. Um, I found NAREP many, many years ago. Um, you know, uh, Hispanic homeownership has been so meaningful to me uh, on many levels, right? Both on a personal level with my family, but also certainly from a, a business perspective. And um, I really searched for an organization that would help me, you know, grow that business at a multiple. And uh, there's just nothing like NAREP to do that, to just connect you with like-minded individuals in the industry. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, so I was actually one of the founding board members here in our Temecula Valley chapter, which has grown to be one of NAREP's uh, strongest national chapters. So, um, you know, my... Uh, my uh, journey with NAREP started a long time ago, and I think it, uh, you know, I have a long, a long road ahead of me still. Wow, that's great. And that's an interesting path in, you know, seeing that need and then deciding you were going to fill it yourself. That's usually a good way to build a rewarding career. Well, it's certainly the simplest way. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Great. And I wanted to talk to you both about NAREP released a 2021 State of Hispanic Homeownership Report uh, that was really interesting, just looking at the different dynamics of this market. And one of the points that was made was that the number of Hispanic-owned households has more than doubled from about 4.2 million in 2000 to 8.8 million by 2019. So can you talk about what is driving the rapid growth of the Hispanic homebuyer market? Yeah, so that that uh, that number you refer to is owner household. So so we went from four point, I think it was you know four and a half, uh, close to five million owner households to almost double that in in that uh, relatively short period of time. So there's two things that I think, and and I'll I'll let uh, you know Dave respond to that based on you know his his kind of anecdotal experience in the marketplace, but. Um, one thing that's really important to recognize amongst the when it pertains to the Latino community is how young it is. So the Latino population is large. We have over 60 million Latinos in the United States right now, which is almost 20% of the entire US population. But the average age of a Latino in the United States is 29 years old. Um, and that's 14 years younger than the average non-Hispanic white individual in the United States. So that's substantial. But it also shows that Hispanics are just starting to enter what I call those prime home buying years, which really are the early, mid, late 30s when most, you know, most families purchase their first home. Um, and so that is certainly accounts for a lot of the spike in home ownership for the Latino marketplace. I think the other thing is just um, Latinos are a very sort of family centric community. Um, the home is the center of the family experience. Um, and there's a lot of data and there's been surveys over the years that show that Hispanics tend to out-index the general population in terms of their enthusiasm for home ownership. They really sort of equate it as, as very, very much aligned with the American dream itself. So Latino immigrants, they come to this country particularly to 
prosper and to find a better life. And home ownership is just one of the pillars of that achievement. Yeah, um, you know, I would I would second that completely. And from you know a street perspective, because you know that that's I'm really in the trenches working with these borrowers on a daily basis. Um, I think it really comes down to to two key to two key factors. Um, n- number one is certainly the the willingness and the desire to to pursue home ownership. You know, and uh, like Gary said, you know, the the household is so important in the Hispanic community. It's just where you know, we, we celebrate so much of the, the family culture and our heritage. Uh, but then with that desire comes, you know, a, a willingness to sacrifice, I think, right? You know, homeownership is not easy and it, it does take sacrifice. And, you know, I think the Hispanic community, especially the young Hispanic community that Gary's talking about, the ones that are coming of age and getting into that, that um, you know, that, that, that relevant age where homeownership becomes possible for them, they're they're willing to sacrifice and they're willing to cut other corners of their life to pursue home ownership because it's that important to them. And I'll just piggyback one other point uh, to follow up on Dave's comments about the willingness to sacrifice. One of the reasons why uh, Latinos have had an increasing home ownership rate for each of the last seven years, which they're the only demographic to have accomplished that, is because Latinos are also willing to move and migrate to where there are jobs and where there are affordable homes. So if you look at where the highest spikes in Hispanic home ownership are in the country, they've actually been in the Midwest and in the South, like Texas and and Nashville, Tennessee, and Des Moines, Iowa, and Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Those are the, the fastest growing Hispanic home ownership markets in the United States. And it is because Latinos are willing to go to where those the jobs are and more affordable housing tends to be. Right. That's such an interesting point because that's something that, you know, we've done some articles on and, you know, you think about a lot when you're talking to home buyers is where are they going to live? And then for a lot of people, they're struggling because they want to stay where they are, but the prices of homes are just, you know, they've just gone up so much that it's not really tenable for them. So that willingness to move makes a lot of sense that it's, that's how important home ownership is. I'm willing to go somewhere new. Right. And that actually sort of ties into the next question that I had, which was that the NARA report had also noted that more than 40% of Latino adults uh, age 45 and under are mortgage ready. But at the same time, they face challenges in the recent markets, obviously the high prices and the incredible rate of competitiveness for homes in the past couple of years with low interest rates and, um, you know, there's just a huge amount of demand. So can you talk about how these market conditions have impacted Hispanic homebuyers um, and any other challenges you've seen that they've had to face because of this market um, and how they've, you know, how they've addressed them and so that they can continue to be able to purchase homes? Yeah, those are great points. And um, I think it really makes um, the case that uh, Hispanics have increased their home ownership rate in the last few years, not because of market conditions, but despite market conditions, which I think says a lot about the resiliency of the community and just that overall desire. Um, I think the primary barriers for the, for the Hispanic market in particular, which are not a, you know uh, atypical to the overall marketplace, is number one, just, you know, like everybody else, just a lack of inventory that has um, made it challenging in almost every market across the country over the last few years and has driven prices up and has made affordability more difficult. I mean, that's been the number one challenge. Uh, Hispanics have also had a tougher time qualifying for mortgages 
um, for a couple of reasons. Number one is Latinos are twice as likely as the overall population to have a small business in the household. And self-employed borrowers have had a tougher time qualifying for mortgages more recently than historically. And that's something that I think the industry needs to address better because with the gig economy and just the way people earn money today, um, it's just not the same as what it was 20, 30 years ago. And I think the industry itself has trailed those changes from really making good decisions around uh, capacity for borrowers. Um, and then the other issue is that although Hispanics have the highest workforce participation rate in the country uh, above any other demographic, which is great, and we're closing that income gap, we haven't really put a big dent on the wealth gap yet. Hispanics still have one-sixth of the wealth on average as the overall population, which means they still on average need low down payment mortgages, and occasionally some Hispanics need down payment assistance or be able to take advantage of some of those types of programs to help them get into homes. Um, and that wealth gap is still something that we have to address, I think, as a nation, really, because I think it really bodes us all well when the Latino market is thriving, I think that that cascades to the broader community. All of us benefit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, to add on to that, I'll speak very specific to the Southern California market um, where home prices are definitely a factor, right? A, a barrier of entry uh, for, um, for a lot of newer borrowers and certainly the Hispanic community uh, can be a part of that. Uh, but you know what I think, um, you know, back to what we talked about, about homeownership being so important to the, the family culture within the Hispanic community. Um, it is exactly those principles that that help us get over some of those challenges, right? And, you know, so uh, we're able many times to approach uh, homeownership in the Hispanic community in a multi-generational way. Mm. So we have, you know, young, young kids buying homes with their parents as co-signers or their aunts or their brothers and sisters, it truly becomes a family affair because um, it is a family investment and, and is looked at that way. So although there are challenges and, and, and home prices certainly are a challenge, especially in a market like this today, compounded with the fact that there's just a significant lack of inventory out there. Um, you know, I, I just think the Hispanic community represent, it, it comes back to that willingness, desire, and, and sacrifice, right? So we're able to take that willingness and that desire, and we're able to, to put together unique solutions for the Hispanic community. And I think that's a testament to the, you know, the explosion in Hispanic home growth, um, as, as Gary said, despite this market. Um, so, uh, I, I'm, you know, it's just been such a pleasure working with the Hispanic community, helping people migrate through some of those trickier things. There are, you know, some cases of, you know, non-traditional income uh, sources, like Gary mentioned, and also, you know, different relationships with financial institutions and how people hold and store their money. Um, you know, it's just culturally a little bit different, right? And um, so, you know, you just got to have the right team that's that knows how to work and migrate within that. But, you know, we're, we're very, very successful at making this happen on a daily basis for them. That's such a great point. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think something that's come up a few times in other episodes um, and, you know, other things that we've written for the fairway.com website is the importance of finding a loan officer and finding a lender who is willing to do that work and to say, okay, this isn't a straightforward file. Like if somebody is self-employed, that takes a little bit of extra work and it takes a real understanding of, you know, these different sources of income to 
you know, to say, okay, you do qualify. We just need to get the certain documentation or like, these are the guidelines and you do meet them. We just need to make sure we have all the paperwork in place. Whereas you could go to someone else who doesn't have that experience and doesn't have the context for the community. And they might say, oh, you know, it doesn't, it didn't fit right away. So it's a no. Um, so I think that's something that's really important for people to know that you you have choices and you can talk to different loan officers until you find somebody who really does understand where you're coming from. They understand your income structure and they're willing to take the time to really look at your, the full spectrum of your circumstances and say, OK, this is this is the strategy for how we're going to get you into a home. Yeah, you bet. I mean, these these are really very unique problems, right, that, that we face and and uh, and it's hard work to to get through these and and it's um you know it takes time it takes time and preparedness and that's not always something that uh that you know real estate professionals out there are are willing to give so that's like an organization like narep is really is is really pushing that right as as like a like a core value perspective about getting educated understanding uh, these hurdles and the solutions to these hurdles, and then educating the real estate population so that they can go out there and touch those borrowers and educate them and help make them successful. So, you know, just again, another testament to why NAREP is an absolute solution for the problems we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And then I wanted to ask you guys um, what your thoughts are or any thoughts that you would share with somebody who is listening to this, who maybe they're, uh, you know, in, like you were saying, Gary, they're 29, 30, they're thinking, okay, I'm ready to buy a house, but this market has been so tough and they're hearing all of these horror stories. So maybe they're a little bit intimidated to dive in. What would be the first steps that you guys would recommend for somebody? And what advice would you give them You know, to just get started and to not be sort of scared off by the headlines? <laughs> uh, well, I will say, uh, first of all, um, there haven't been many times in history where we look back and say that was a terrible time to buy a home uh, because, you know, if you're going to buy a home and you plan on selling it in a couple of years, then I think you probably need to be much more cautious, um, you know, in your approach, because the likelihood that uh, prices are going to increase substantially in the next couple, couple of years is probably very different now than what it was just a few years ago. Uh, but if you're planning to live in that home for the long run, then this is as good a time as ever to purchase a home right now. Uh, there's less competition right now than there was a few years ago. So those, um, and it's more of a buyer's market, a little bit more of a buyer's market. It depends on the individual market, but but it definitely is a little bit more of a buyer's market. So you can probably negotiate concessions and negotiate a few things that you weren't able to negotiate uh, a few years ago. Um, so yeah, I do think that it's still a relatively good time. Now, what advice do I give somebody? It, you know, buying a home, especially if it's your first home, is a very intimidating process for anybody, Hispanic or not. Um, and, you know, if you haven't done that, done it before, you don't have a parent that's done it before, it's even more intimidating. So it's important that you find a real estate professional to help guide you through that process, who you trust, uh, maybe who is service somebody that you know, and, you know, you have that sort of built in trust factor already in place. Um, and that person can make or break that experience. Um, if it's a strong, you know, uh, thoughtful, conscientious, uh, capable real estate professional, um, that's going to be an invaluable service for you. Uh, conversely, if you go without that, um, it could be very challenging. Yeah. Um, 
You know, a wise man once told me, Casey, that uh, the only day the value of your house matters is the day that you have to sell, right? And um, so, you know, I believe that homeownership is a long-term play and there's so much more just intrinsic value of owning a home rather, you know, other than just the price of the home, right? I mean, this is the the place where we raise our children, where we have birthdays, where we celebrate Christmas and holidays and, you know, just all of the wonderful memories that make life worth living. Um, you know, and as far as my advice, it's just all about education and empowerment. I mean, I, I, I really approach homeownership from more of like a curriculum based uh, uh, perspective, right? So, you know, before we start going out there and, and looking at houses and things like that, it, it's all about going to school, right? And getting and getting educated, getting empowered and really understanding what your capabilities are. You know, I always tell people if, if homeownership is in your future, in any time in the next two to three years, uh, the time to start getting prepared for that is right now, like literally right now. And hooking up with the right real estate professional who's willing to, you know, potentially go the long haul with you and help address, you know, not just address any problems you may have, but also try to help optimize your situation to be able to, you know, get the the, the best terms, the best interest rates, the best programs. And then of course, when it gets time to, uh, making an offer to be able to help you strategize, you know, um, you know, the best way to, to structure that offer. Like Gary said, there's concessions being made on the market right now because things have softened up a little bit where buyers are really able to utilize that flexibility and, and, and really win at the end of the day, utilizing, um, you know, some of the seller's money to help do temporary and permanent interest rate buy downs and and really help ease, uh, you know, the entry point into homeownership. So my advice, Casey, um, at, in any market, uh, you know, pre-pandemic, pandemic or now is all about preparedness and starting early. Great. Well, thank you both so much. This was really fantastic. I really appreciate your insights and really appreciate your time being on the podcast. Of course. Thank you, Casey. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. It was great, great to see you, Gary. Good to see you, Dave. Casey. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.